Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. I am Jim Shoemaker, and we've got a program just jam-packed with a lot of information for you today. But I think one of the things we're going to be talking about, and I think most of us want to know about, and this, or else we've gotten to the point where we're so tired of it, and that is, of course, the American Health Care Act. I think to pass that, you know, that's right in the middle of everything we're talking about. As far, you know, as far as this week, it's been just jam-packed with information about the American Health Care Act. I have Shannon Downson with me this morning. He's going to try to make some sense of all the things that are going on. But the key word we're listening to is reconciliation. That just doesn't seem to work when you say that word, reconciliation, and you think of what's going on in Congress. But it's the Republicans. They're going to need the support of 50 of the 52 GOP uh, Republican senators. And, of course, the vice president would break a tie if they get to that point. All that's a part of what's going on, assuming no Democrats support the legislation. And to give you some idea, that's exactly the word that was on the Capitol Hill in 2010 when we were trying to pass the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. Reconciliation was again used, and it's been used 24 times. And of course, when you try to pass something with reconciliation, that literally means everybody's got to work together. I read recently that 61% of employees would change their job if they could have health insurance. Well, that's what we're going to find out more about when we bring Shannon on in, the, in this first half of the program. I think you're going to find some things that the Congressional Budget Office is going to tell us about the issues. And, of course, what's making headlines today is that it seems to be that we're going to have something like 14 million people are going to be uninsured. We're going to find out really exactly what that means. Of course, everything's supposed to work when you talk about the Affordable Care Act, and that hasn't been the the actual facts. Now, with the American Health Care Act, by the time we get to 2016, everything's supposed to be great. We're going to find out if that's the case. And, of course, all that's tied into how much Shannon knows. He's the expert in this area. And so you don't want to miss that part of the program. In the second half of the program, we're going to be talking with Jamie Cochran about your greatest asset. And now, you know, when I say that, boy, I mean, how many things runs through your mind when I say the greatest asset? Well, you want to find out, you know, what what that is and how you should protect it. And you're going to find out about health care, how, how much health care has changed with the Affordable Care Act, with what's going on as far as all the issues we've got. We've got something called the airbag phenomenon. Now, you know, when I say that, I want you to think through with me. What does it mean when I say airbag phenomenon? Well, we're going to find out. That's what Jamie's going to help us understand. And again, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Oh, by the way, congratulations to all you guys in Alabama. 37% of Alabama workers are engaged in their jobs. That's tops in the U.S., man. I think that's great for all the people from Alabama. I have a couple of kids down there. So, 
Thank you for listening. We'll be back with more of Talk Money in just a moment. Jim Shoemaker and Jamie Cochran are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. You know, before we took the break, I mentioned the word reconciliation. Well, reconciliation is something that you have to think about. It's been used 24 times, as I said, since 1974, including four times when the legislation passed Congress. But that's the legislation we're talking about, Affordable Care Act. But was ultimately vetoed. That's the reality. When you use it four times like they've done, it was ultimately vetoed by the president. Reconciliation, as we talked about it, is one of those subjects that I have to say, it just doesn't sound like something that would work. And, you know, as far as when we talk about what goes on in Congress, reconciliation sounds like we try to work together. I don't get a sense that Republicans and Democrats today are working together. We're going to find out exactly what that means. My guest in this portion of the program is Shannon Dyson, a frequent uh, contributor to the program. Welcome to the program, Shannon. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, you know, it is nice to have you here, especially since we're talking about the Affordable Care Act and how we're going to change it to the American Health Care Act. Now, I have to say this to you. Uh, did you know that when you type in Obamacare, you know, spell check says that's okay. It's a word. You type in Trump care, and it's still not a word. <laughs> but I would suspect a year from now, we might have a word that will come out there of There might be a word like Trump care, some, yeah. something along those something lines. Something like yeah. that. You're yeah. right. Well, let me ask you this. This through the, the Republican health care legislation known as the American Health Care Act, just what is in the bill? Yeah, so the funny thing is you mentioned reconciliation, and it's the process that they use in order to get a bill passed with a simple majority instead of a three-fourths majority. Mm. So the, the the name reconciliation doesn't really jive with what goes on there because they're trying to get it through with just a simple majority. If you had to get three-fourths, that actually means that you're trying to work together and you're reconciling things. So with a simple majority, it's really the, the word doesn't really uh, seem to, to match. And that's the concern I have. Now, we talk about the Affordable Care Act. And yeah. I remember uh, a particular individual from California saying that we got to pass it before we read it. Right. And, and that's been I heard that in the last week. Yeah. I've probably heard that a dozen times. Yeah. Now, the reality is it was 2,000 pages long. It was uh, lengthy. This particular 
act that we're trying to pass, this you know, the American Health Care Act, it's less not not as not as onerous as two thousand. Yeah, the version that was uh, put out last week was one hundred and twenty-three pages. So if you wanted to read that, you actually could read that bill in a in a timely manner. Uh, with the two thousand pages of Obamacare, not only were there two thousand pages, but if you actually tried to get in and read those two thousand pages. You, you would lose your mind in about I, 20 minutes. I remember you attempting to do that yeah, and, and saying, you know. I quit pretty, pretty yeah, quickly. It was pretty quick. <laughs> well, what are some of the key changes that we're looking at? A few of the key changes uh, that we'll see in the, in the new bill by the Republicans. Uh, the, the, one of the key parts of Obamacare were the subsidies. And the subsidies were tied to a person's income or a household's income. And what the Republican bill does is it takes that away and it gives tax credits instead um, and the amount of the tax credits are based on a person's age instead of their income. And the reason that they're doing that is they're saying that over the last seven years, uh, people that are older have been hit the hardest because their premiums have been the highest. So we need to tie these tax credits to a person's age rather than their income. Don't you find that to, is a, is, to some degree is like a mountain, though? We have this enormous aging population uh, I know the Congressional Budget Office, uh, which is an office of, for most people know this. What that group does is simply for Congress, both as the House and the Senate, they'll run all the data and, and just give them back some idea of the reality of what what's actually going on. It's right. A, it's a federal agency that really helps provide budget economic information for Congress. And they're estimating. They're getting yeah. their estimate of what they feel this bill is going to do. And they're not really good at it. They're not. Really <laughs> their their track history has not, not been very, all that good. Not very good. <laughs> so if, they're, if we're saying that this aging baby boom population, yeah. do, is that a mountain that we're going it to is. find that we can't climb? It is. Well, and what we've seen is so under the Affordable Care Act, um, Obamacare, what we had was the the uh, the act could allow it would allow insurance companies to charge three times more premium dollars than a younger person. Right. The new health care act the Republicans are bringing in allows five times higher. So we're really not getting any relief there for the older population. But what they're saying is let's give some more tax credit help to that population so that we're not just throwing them out there and giving them higher premiums. Of course, the overall strategy is let's bring pricing down. Altogether, and if we can bring pricing down by some of these other um, things that we're putting in the bill, then we're going to be okay, and we'll have more people on the plan. I know the CBO said that next year, 27, 2018, 2019, that we're not going to see pricing come down. Right. That it's going to take till twenty twenty. Right, and it's going to go up. And they, they, there's a lot of other things that they say there are going to be fourteen million people without health insurance over ten years. It's going to grow to twenty four million people without health insurance, and so. What they are scoring, though, is like what we were talking about just a minute ago, the the bill that is going through Congress right now. That is not all that the Republicans are proposing, uh, but it's only the only things that they could actually put in this bill to let it get through that reconciliation process. I do. I know that the CBO and I this was one of those things that I thought, well, OK, uh, they're they're really working through this and they are estimating that the American health care plan, the American health care act would reduce the federal budget, the deficit, federal deficit, literally by $337 billion over the next 10 years. And that's because of the Medicaid outlays that they're projecting that will begin to be eliminated. Uh, For some people, that's great. Right. And for some... That sounds pretty good, pretty yeah, bad. That's one of the changes, one of the other changes uh, the, of the legislation that are pretty key to what the Republicans are, are asking for. 
Uh, right now, the uh, the amount of money that states are getting in Medicaid are based. It's a, basically a match. Mm-hmm. So if that state is putting in this amount of money, then the federal government is going to match it. And what the new system would say is they're going to go to a per capita, so per head. How many people do you have in the state that are on the Medicare rolls? And that's called a block grant for right. Medicaid, and that's right. what they're going to be giving the states. So that's a huge savings for the federal government doing that way. Because literally, it was pretty across the board earlier. Now they're very specific. Very specific, yeah. And that is to be a better plan. It's more physically conservative, for sure. Okay, now let me ask you this. When the, the individual health care mandate. Yes, has been taken away. That'll be that'll be going away if this is passed. Of course, we're we're speaking as well, though that, this, that this is going to be passed. Too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but the mandate will go away, um, and what will be in its place is that if a person, with, there's been a lot of questions uh, on pre-existing conditions and if those will be covered, and the answer that the Republicans have given is yes, we are going to cover pre-existing conditions. Uh, what they are going to do instead of having the mandate is that. If you have coverage and you go without coverage for more than 63 days, the insurance companies can then charge you up to 30% more premium on your plan because you went without coverage. So they're not having a mandate. You're not going to be penalized if you don't have health insurance. But when you do come back into the market to get health insurance, that health insurance carrier can charge you up to 30% more. And that's to help with the risk-averse or risk-selection problem that a lot of people, that we've been talking about a lot. Correct. And that's, If you're not going to ask health questions, uh, as an insurance company, you know, when pre-Affordable Care Act, you could ask health questions of everybody. You knew what type of risk you were taking and on. And you could charge for that And risk. you could price accordingly. Yeah. And, with, with not being able to ask health questions, uh, taking on all pre-existing conditions, that's why the individual mandate was so important, because mm. we needed the law of large numbers. We needed everybody in the system. Um, of course, that didn't work out so well. But with this system, what the Republicans are saying, OK, we are still going to cover preexisting conditions. But if you go without health insurance for 63 days, the insurance company can charge you 30 percent more to help make up for that. And that again, cost. that's assuming somebody, if they decide to get back in, usually there's a reason for that. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, your host, and my guest is Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Benefits, and a very good, solid authority on what this whole idea of the Obamacare and Trump care, uh, as we're kind of coining that phrase this morning. But the reality is, it's called the American Health Care Act. It will affect most of us um, listening, and, and those, obviously, that we're thinking through is the aging population, the baby boomer. We're talking about um, that this this particular plan is focused a little bit more with tax credits, as Shannon was telling us, and we talked about the term called reconciliation. Uh, it's kind of hard to take that and think of Capitol Hill. <laughs> Washington and reconciliation and terms don't go together. Don't go yeah. together, but that's something they can use, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But Shannon, I guess as we as we go through the process and as we think about what we're dealing with, Medicaid, the expansion, I think, is going to be phased out of this program. I mean, right. again, it doesn't sound like the Republicans are trying to cover people. They're trying to eliminate people. They're trying to figure out a way to bring overall costs down. And so that involves getting rid of some of that Medicaid expansion. Uh, it also involves getting rid of some of the key essential or essential health benefits that were a part of all Affordable Care Act plans. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, back in 2010, one of the main parts of the law were that every plan that was offered in order to meet the Affordable Care Act requirements had to offer these 10 essential health benefits. Uh, some of those are maternity benefits for everyone, um, uh, ch- children's uh, pediatric, pediatric dental and vision dental insurance and vision on like every everybody. plan. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 24-year-old male who is single, his plan actually has in it coverage for maternity benefits and pediatric dental and vision. And so what the Republicans are saying is let's get rid of those essential health benefits requirement because it's going to open up more choice in the market. Let's talk about that for a second. I think the heart of the Affordable Care Act was to provide coverage for everybody. I think the 2,000 pages that were not read, they passed it without reading it, if they had thought through it, I mean, there's a lot of positive things. that, And you and I have talked about this on the program yeah. multiple times yes. over the last eight years. The reality is that the Affordable Care Act had a lot of positive things. But, again, when you put so much of unnecessary, I hate the word unnecessary because I wouldn't want anybody not to have coverage who needs coverage. But the reality is, as you just said, you take a 22-year-old male and you give him, you know, all. <laughs> it's common sense. I mean, a 22-year-old male's policy, he should be able to choose that he does not want maternity coverage and, and does not want to cover pediatric, chil- pediatric yeah. dental and vision. That, that just it seems like common sense. But there had to be some reason. You know, when you have 20-some-odd people in a room coming up with different ideas for law, sometimes these things happen, and people tend to overthink, uh, overthink the process. Do you think that when we get through this process, I mean, I don't feel that what's going to happen in the next— 30 days is going to see us all of a sudden pass the American Health Care Act. I don't think that's going to happen. I know there's a lot of target April. They want to get it through Senate. Right. I uh, I think Trump said, hey, if you guys don't want to do it, fine, I'll move on. And, right. and, and I know that's not quite his thinking. Well, I, I say I can't say that, but the reality is they've got to make some changes. They yeah. promised it for so long. It does need some fixing. It we, does. We've talked about this, that it's a train wreck eventually. But do you throw the whole baby with the bathwater? That that's in the the problem that they are running into. There there's a section of the Republican House called the Freedom Caucus, mm. uh, and the Freedom Caucus has basically said we just want Obamacare repealed. Totally, period. Gone. We want yeah. it gone, and then we can start over. Yeah. And so that's what they are fighting against because when uh, when President Trump was going through the process uh, of the primaries, he made several statements that we would keep preexisting pre-existing condition coverage as a part of any bill uh, that we bring forth. If they just were to repeal uh, the Affordable Care Act, it would get rid of coverage for pre-existing conditions. And so that's the fight that they're having right now. And I don't know how that gets resolved, honestly. And so, like you said, President Trump's working back from his Art of the Deal book days, (laughs) and he's saying you've got to be willing to walk away from a negotiation. And that's basically what he said. If you don't want to do it, fine. We'll move on and move to something else. Yeah, and put it all back on them. And, you know, I get a feel that he's kind of saying a little bit, and again, just that, um, hey, guys, do something. He Don't won't. just talk about it. Do something. Yeah, and it's it's the first major piece of legislation uh, that he's that he's trying to to do something with. And so you know he feels the pressure of that, and that's why he's injected himself into a lot of these uh, discussions but there is just such a huge divide between the Republican and the Republican Party. And it's just going to be interesting to see how and if and what kind of changes they're able to make. And like we said a minute ago, the whole problem of this, there are probably a lot of the changes 
that the White House would like to make that the Freedom Caucus wants, they just can't make yeah. because it's a part of this reconciliation process. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. That's something we need to talk about. Well, if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Shannon Dyson. We're talking about the American Health Care Act, which is on Capitol Hill uh, right now, and a lot of news media is talking about it. The reality is, will it happen in the next 30, 60, 90 days? I tell you what, if anybody's got a clear clue for that, Give me a call. I'd love to have you on the program. That would be something good to do. But when I come back, Shannon, I want to ask you a little bit about, because a lot of people fear that if you have a pre-existing condition, that that's going to go away, that you're going to lose your coverage. If you're diabetic, cancer patient, heart patient, you're in trouble. That's one thing I want to clear up when we come back. So if you're just listening, hey, stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Shannon Dyson, and we're talking about the American Health Care Act. We'll be back in just a moment. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, as I was talking before the break with Shannon Dyson, we're going through the Republican health care legislation known as the American Health Care Act. And uh, we're talking about uh, all the issues, what the Congressional Budget Office is projecting is uh, somewhat. I mean, if you read it and you look at it, you get this mindset that maybe there's this huge problem coming and then they take you out another 20 years and they say, well, it'll be okay." And we've talked about the fact that their their track record is not that good. And uh, we're trying to put some type of sense to it. And before the break, I'd ask about pre-existing conditions. Well, I want to find out exactly, Shannon. Welcome back to the program, sir. Uh, the reality is, are pre- pre-existing... I mean, I've actually heard someone say pre-existing conditions are going away, and we know that's not the case. Yeah, the bill, that the 123-page bill that was uh, presented that they are they are going to vote on um, does not exclude pre-existing conditions. It specifically says in there that pre-existing conditions are covered. And so that's the there is no taking away of a person's health plan, um, if they have a plan today, they can keep the plan that they have. Now, things may change over the next few years, but one thing that will not change, according to this particular bill, is that pre-existing conditions will be covered. And that's what so many people have kind of thrown their hands up. Hey, I've got coverage. I mean, I've got this problem. And the Republicans are taking it away from me. And that's right. really not the case. And I think people need to think and hear and understand that. Now, you've mentioned this, and I think the reality is this this bill, as we see it today, the 123 pages, mm-hmm. mm, you know, I don't see it getting through. Obviously, you know, this week we've seen all kind of issues, but I do know that we're headed to get something done. Right. And the word reconciliation at the top of the hour, we talked about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to I want to close out with that thought process because we kind of little tongue in cheek that it's hard to think of reconciliation in Capitol Hill 
working together. But there's a reason for it. And let me make sure everybody understands this was actually passed in 1974. And it's not something new. And the procedure was created for the specific purpose that the House and Senate can pass a bill with a simple majority rather than three-fifths majority needed for most legislation. And it's been used 24 times by Congress since 1974. But explain it to us. So seven years ago, uh, when the Affordable Care Act was going through the same process as this new bill, um, most people were under the impression that it was going to need 60 votes in the Senate in order to pass. Right. Because it needs a three-fifths majority for any new piece of legislation. Right. Well, what the uh, White House did at that time is they made it a part of the reconciliation process. And so the reconciliation process has to do with uh, changes in spending, revenues, and the federal debt limit. And so as long as it is has to do with those three things, you can pass a bill with a simple majority. And so that's what they did back in uh, 2010. So today, what the Republicans are trying to do is use the same loophole to get through their version of the bill with a, with a simple majority instead of having to get 60 votes in the Senate. The problem with that is it can only be used for federal debt limit changes in spending and revenues. And so the, a lot of the things that you hear or have heard uh, President Trump talk about in the past, insurance companies being able to sell across uh, state lines, um, high-risk pools, medical malpractice reform, those things cannot be added to this bill. If, it, if they are added to the bill, then it would need 60 votes in the Senate, and the Republicans only have 52 well, that's another reason why they, that it's important for us to all understand what they're trying to do, why they're working through that. I mean, it's a pretty complicated process to get legislation through, but yes. it's supposed to be a it pr- is. pretty complicated. Very complicated, yeah. yeah. Um, we saw it happen in 2010. Yep. We saw it rammed through, and yet at the same time, I totally understand that. That was their agenda. They had a majority, and they got it done. Well, I stood up in in our meetings that we have weekly uh, right before all when this all this was going on. I made a bold prediction, and I said this bill will not get passed. There is no way it will get sixty votes in the Senate. Oh, I didn't realize that they could make it a part of a reconciliation bill. And so when they did that, that kind of that that opened the door for it to be taken away in a reconciliation bill as well, though. Now, when you started, I, I have to say this, you've been with the firm a long time, but uh, ten, year, 10 years ago, eight years ago, eight years ago, 2010, you didn't have a gray hair in your head. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's related to this? I don't know. I think it's related. I do, <laughs> I do have three kids. and <laughs> Well, know. that might have a little bit to do with it. But, you know, in reality, this has kept you busy, very busy, because it's a complicated process. And now we're about to tear it up again and redo it. And, and you know, your job security is phenomenal. It feels like 2010 all over again. It, it really does. Just because everything is about to change and nobody knows. You know, there's no way of knowing what the final bill is going to look like. So the things that I've read and things that I know about what the bill looks like today uh, in three months from now could be completely different just because it's con- it's continually changing. Well, and the, and the reality is we're just a little small thimbles, you know, out here in the world of the big mass insurance industry. And the health insurance industry is, I mean, I'm not sure how they're responding to all of this. I mean, you talk to a lot more people than I do. Yeah, well, a third a third of the counties in, in our country have only one option when it comes to insurance in the individual market. And so it, by next year, 
that may change. That there may be half of the counties in our country don't only have one insurer. Last week, Humana announced that they were pulling out of the East Tennessee market. Uh, that's going to leave them with one carrier. And so it's it's the things that are going on right now from the health insurance standpoint not sustainable because the insurance carriers are just are fleeing the market. So unless you have a group health plan and you're if you have an individual plan today, you have very very limited choices. And so there definitely needs to be changes made. Wow. Well, again, if you just tuned in, I've been talking with Shannon Dyson. We're talking about the American Health Care Act and Whatever's going to happen, we'll just keep kind of keeping you posted and uh, try to drive through some of that information for you. But coming up next, what when I said it earlier, I really was meaning this. What do I mean by the airbag phenomenon? Well, my guest is Jamie Cochran. He's going to talk about our greatest asset. How do we look at it? What do we protect? Why do we do this? So you do not want to miss this next part because literally the airbag phenomenon ties exactly into what Shannon's been talking about. Stay with us. We'll be back right after we talk about the Mid-South History Moment. And uh, just stay with us. we got a lot more to go. Life insurance products contain fees, such as mortality and expense charges, and may contain restrictions, such as surrender periods. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The Liberty Bowl Stadium has been the home to many wonderful stories. When the Memphis Memorial Stadium was built in 1965, it was dedicated to Memphians who had served in the two world wars and in Korea. Its purpose was to relocate the Liberty Bowl from Atlantic City to Memphis. The stadium was renamed Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium nine years later. In 1983, the field was named Rex Dockery Field after a Memphis football coach who was killed in a plane crash just two weeks before Christmas. Since the 70s, the stadium has hosted numerous professional football teams, along with a few soccer teams. During the 90s, the stadium hosted the Memphis Mad Dogs, who were part of the Canadian Football League. Although there were some difficulty adapting the stadium to Canadian football rules, that one season in 1995 was a high point in the stadium's history, matched by the exhibition baseball game there between the Braves and the Brewers in 1975. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate, planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking about uh, the airbag phenomenon and your greatest asset. My guest, Jamie Cochran. Welcome to the program, sir. Good morning, Jim. Well, good morning. I like that. Good morning there. That's good. That's what, you know, we're all into it. So here's here's the reality, Jamie. What is, when I talk about the airbag phenomenon, what am I talking about? Well, there's a study. 
since 1960, the frequency of death from, from the four leading causes has sharply decreased, while the frequency of disability has sharply increased. So the study is really saying that death used to occur when something happened, and now disability. So if we talk about the airbag phenomenon, really what I want people to understand, we're really talking about ensuring your greatest asset. So what is that greatest asset? That is your ability to earn an income. You know, and people don't realize that. I mean, we talk about car insurance, as Shannon was talking about health insurance, all that, you know, homeowners insurance, all of that's important. But the reality is, if you have the ability to get up and go to work or get up and earn an income, you know, that is your greatest asset. Do you find that difficult for people to understand? Not particularly after you explain it, because you just say, imagine that, you know, you take your paychecks that you get every week, every couple of weeks, every month, and you don't cash them. You don't directly deposit them in the bank and you just put it in your dresser drawer. Well, pretty soon you're going to be wanting those paychecks. So just to think about it like that and then multiply that by two years, three years, 40 years. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a heck of a lot of income that, you know, isn't isn't getting spent. Well, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I, I can imagine most people listening, and I know the three of us, if we took, or four of us, if we took our paychecks and put them away for six months, we would begin to feel the pain fairly, you know, I mean, in some yeah, cases. before six months for me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm thinking for, you know, for the rest of us, too. Yeah. But, but the reality is that's a good visual for me to think if I'm going to just take my paycheck every month and put it into a drawer someplace in the house and say, can't cash it and not use it, I'm going to begin to know that I should have had some kind of a disability. So help me understand this. If I know my greatest asset is to the ability to work, the ability to earn an income, then how do I protect it? We want to protect it with a good plan of what's called individual long-term disability insurance. All right. When you say long-term disability, is help me distinguish between, because a lot of people listening, I, they, they think, well, okay, if I have a group coverage at MI where I work, and Shannon was talking about health insurance, but you're actually talking about something different. And Shannon, you talk to a lot of people about group long-term disability at their employer. Yeah, a lot of people th- consider uh, long-term disability insurance, and when they hear that, they, they are synonymous with AFLAC. They think that if they have an yeah. AFLAC policy or a long-term disability policy that they're covered. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about individual long-term coverage. Correct. I'm talking about individual coverage. And the difference between short-term and long-term. Short-term disability usually kicks in after about two weeks, can cover up to about 90 days. And while that can be important, we want to make sure we have adequate savings and an emergency reserve to cover that. What we want to focus on is long-term disability, that disability that's going to be 90 days or longer. It could be two years. It could be one year. It could be, like I said, the rest of your life. All right. If you're talking about, I mean, because you said this, short-term disability, you want to have, when you're working with someone in a plan, you're talking about, you're looking at the basic fundamental parts of the pyramid, the base of the pyramid, as we talk about life insurance, group health insurance or individual health insurance, long-term disability insurance, property and casualty insurance, that's the homeowners, the car, the you know, those things. All that's the base of any type of investment pyramid or any type of financial planning pyramid. Cover your bases first. Long-term care disability is to take care of the person's income for that that point of time when you're saying after 90, 180 days, you've put your paycheck away and you didn't cash it. Now you're going to get somebody's going to start paying you the insurance company. Exactly. So, we want we want to make sure that that income is going to 
continue to come in even if you don't have the ability to work. Are we insuring 100% of our income? We want to try to insure as much as we possibly can. So we talked about, Shannon, about group long-term disability insurance. Many times an employer may add that as a benefit, and the employer may pay that. If that's the case, man, that is fantastic. Thank your employer for including that as one of your benefits. Many times, though, that can be 60% of your income. So you make $100,000. Well, only 60%, $60,000 would be paid to you. However, many times when you get that benefit, that benefit is going to be taxed. So you're not necessarily going to get 60% of that of your income. You know, we talk about this and whether long-term disability is, is something. Is that just for the wealthy? Is that... You know, a guy, you used the term $100,000 of income. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what we're To make talking? the math easy. It makes make the, the math. Yeah, well, yes. Okay, that's good. But is it, is it, can we talk about some, you know, let's say you're making $50,000 a year. Do they need disability insurance? Of course they do. Exactly. I mean, more, more, than any, more than anybody else. I think everybody needs a plan of long-term disability insurance, whether it's a, a group plan or an individual plan to supplement that uh, group policy that you have, or many people necessarily don't have group insurance. If you work for a small company who doesn't add that as uh, as a benefit, I highly recommend getting an individual plan that you own. So that you can cover the income. Again, we're talking about putting the paycheck away for a period of time. Now, now let's go back just briefly, because we mentioned this airbag phenomenon in you talked about a study that came out a long time ago, 1960 is when we talked about the, the frequency of death from the four leading causes, has, you know, it's char- sharply decreased. I mean, it goes all the way back to then. So help us with that. What are you talking about? Okay. So, for instance, Jim, cancer survivor, multiple right. myeloma, diagnosed, what, 2007, 2008? Right. Okay. What had happened if that happened in 1987? About 18 months. Okay. So you wouldn't be here today. That's correct. However, fortunately, the silver lining of it was that it happened in a time when our medical technology and the research behind multiple myeloma, you were able to survive that, and you're here today alive and kicking. And kicking well. That's, right. that's exactly right. So what you're saying is medical changes, medical uh, research has improved the life expectancy. Yeah, not only the medical, but uh, changes in people's lifestyles. People don't smoke as much as we used to. Also, they call it the airbag phenomenon because guess what? You know, my parents never you know buckled up when they were little kids, yeah. and and I mean when I was uh, when I was three or four years old, I rode on the hump. I was the youngest of three, so I rode on on the hump. And you know, my, but nowadays my parents would be thrown in jail if, if my do- uh, daughter got to ride on the hump. Now she's in a seat and helmet and everything. So you, know, you mentioned that, but I remember the, the airbag, and when I grew up, was my mother's arm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know, that was what stopped you from going to the. But the reality is, you're exactly right. Airbags today are obviously doing a lot yeah. to protect people. And and again, we we're talking about injury or sickness. When we come back, I want to f- help you find out a little bit about are people more prone to be disabled from injury or from sickness? You know, I'm talking about in the hospital and which lasts longer because I think so many times people don't get, you know, the reality is they begin to wonder what's going on about that. If you just tuned in, my guest, Jamie Cochran, we're talking about why disability insurance, the airbag phenomenon, hypertension, heart disease, you know, diabetes, all of these are ones that we used to have. Death was occurring so rapid. Today, we're living healthy lives. I am a cancer survivor. I know the effects. Stay with us. We'll be back with more of Talk Money in just a moment. In the town lit up 
the world gets still I'm learning to fly But I ain't got wings Coming down Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I am talking with Jamie Cochran of Shoemaker Financial. His telephone number and Shannon's telephone number is 757-5757. If you've got questions, where Shannon was talking about the American Health Care Act and all the issues, we were talking about job security with him. It's a mess. And so what do you do? Well, give him a call. He knows a lot about it. And Jamie Cochran, of course, understands and has helped many people understand the reality around disability insurance and why it's important. When it's not important, what do you do about it? And uh, how to basically find a product that fits your needs without it being the most expensive product in the world. And that's important. Jamie, I know one of the things you do when you help someone go through this process, the definition of disability is so critical. And it's critical not only to the person because of what they do, their employment, their day-to-day activities, but also when you're pricing it. And you're very fortunate we don't have to go to just one company. We've got the multiple companies that we can help someone buy from that product. But the reality is, how do you? what's the definition of disability that you see that people need to understand, and how do you guide them through that? Well, how I guide them through it, I tell them, bring me whatever. Uh, if you have a policy through your employer, bring it in so I can read over it. If you have individual coverage that you've purchased yourself, bring it in because we want to review it. It might be perfectly fine and it might be a great fit for you. In that case, slap you on the back and say, right on, let's go. Let's go. Sometimes, though, we might say, eh, you know what, I see something that's wrong. And that, that thing that we see sometimes is what you said was the definition of disability. It's a own a, your occupation versus in any occupation definition of disability. Explain that. When you say, you're, you know, I mean, if I am any occupation, that sounds pretty broad. It, it is, and a lot of people are trained to do a specific job. So if you cannot do your job, don't you want to be able to, if you can't do it because of an illness or an injury, you want to be able to get paid on it, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure it's a your occupation or an own occupation definition of disability, meaning if you can't do your specific job, it's going to pay you versus the very broad any occupation definition that any occupation says if you can do anything, greet people, you know, be a Walmart greeter. Nothing wrong with being a Walmart greeter, but you just got to sit there and say hi. So a lot of people, we want to make sure that we are protecting their occupation they're specifically trained for. You know, one of the, the things that I think is so incredible, you know, incredible about long about long term disability is it does give you an opportunity because your finances are not in such a wreck, because you have long-term, you have income coming in, that you can sometimes retrain yourself. You know, exactly. If you have the ability to do that. Now, some people can't. Some people are, you know, you have an illness or, you know, or an injury that you've lost the ability to do whatever. And we understand that. But a lot of times this will give you, because there's a, there's a financial stress that is created. More homes are foreclosed on because of disability than death. And you think about the stress that someone's going on, going through. And I, I, guys, I know being the, the breadwinner in, in my family, it would be extremely difficult for me to lie in a bed 
you know, and, and or not have the ability to work. And and just that's that's stressful for me just to think about it. Yeah, you know, I've lived through it myself. My wife uh, had cancer several years ago. She's fine now, um, thank God. But you know, she she was disabled. And the day that we got that phone call from the oncologist that said that is cancer, um, I got to actually focus on my family, my wife, um, and not worry about her income because right. I knew because we had a good plan of individual own occupation disability insurance that her income was going to be perfectly fine. So not having to deal with that financial stress actually was was quite uh you know re- relieving. relieving and yeah. I was able to able to focus on my wife and and help help take care of her. So you know one thing that I like to tell people is that when we're looking at the the definitions the own occupation versus any occupation we want to look at the prices. We want to look at what options you have your, through your employer. At the end of the day, you can choose your disability insurance, but you can't choose your disability. Oh, that's a great, great point, uh, Jamie. A very good point. Jamie Cochran, 757-5757. And the reality is uh, the Senate Financial Committee literally said 7 out of 10 people between the ages of 35 and 65 will become disabled for three months or longer. So, that's a statistic that we have to realize that uh, most of us fall into that category, and we have to deal with it. Shannon, when you're talking to employers, I know you go through the process of long-term mm-hmm. long-term disability, dental, all those benefits that are very – but long-term disability is a big, important benefit. Yeah, and what I see a lot is what Jamie mentioned a couple minutes ago. You have a, a larger company that may have some executives within that company that their income is – fairly large, and they think that they're getting 60% of their income if they go on disability, but that may be capped at 6000 per month or may be capped yeah. at 8000 per month and then taxed because the employer is paying uh, the premium for the policy. So that's why, why I think that it's very important what you're talking about to have an individual policy come alongside that. Yeah, and, and my job is to make sure my clients understand what their options are. I had a client just the other day, been working with me uh, for about five, six years, he ended up getting a, a perk through his work. I said, awesome. That's a great price. Send it over to me. Let me look at it because we're probably going to do this. I read it and his, uh, at any occupation definition of disability, as soon as I explained that to him, he said, nope, not going to take that. Yeah, so he made a decision based on what you were trying to share with him. That's the planning process. That's exactly. not You're not product-oriented. You're planning-oriented to help someone go through that process, which I think is so critical. Shannon, you do the same thing. I mean, you're working mm-hmm. with an employer. You help them go through the planning process. What is it that you're trying to accomplish, not just a product? Yeah, one thing we talk to employers about all the time is you're, you are spending a lot of money on health insurance for your employees, for disability insurance for your employees. We want to make sure that the employees know, understand, and appreciate the products that they have. That's one of the most important things. If you're spending $100,000 a year on employee benefits, you want to make sure that those benefits are being appreciated. You know, guys, thank you so much for being a part of the program today. I think we have given a ton of information, everything from the American Health Care Act, what's happening there, why is disability important. Sixty percent of people say today, hey, if I lost my paycheck, I would not be able to pay my bills. That's important. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you being on the program. And uh, it's been a good program. Of course, I want to thank my producer and board operator, always, Gil Worth. Guest and content coordination is Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovich. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier and written 
Talking, of course, by Drew Johnson. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and I enjoyed the fact that you were with me today. Stay with us and be with us again every week. We're here helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Jamie Cochran are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.